Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Inside Supercars. I'm sitting around the table from Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport and all the way from Adelaide joining us in Canberra for the coldest week of the year. It's Adrian Mussolino from Supercars Extra Magazine. Adrian, great to have you in the nation's capital. Thank you. I'm 20 years too late for the Canberra 400, but all good. Almost to the uh, day, I would suggest, Peter. And uh, it is a real reminder of how could you run this race in the snow? It's worse than winter. The, the weather today was exactly like it was that 20 years ago, sitting in a grandstand, uh, less than 10 degrees, sleeting rain, just wonderful for an event. When we're talking about a street race that ended prematurely, your mind goes to a race that you were oh so fond of, Adrian, the Adelaide 500. Clips all to everyone that knew and loved it, but it's coming back. How close to coming back is it? Most of my friends who are Adelaide-based are going, not this year, not this year. Is it this year or not? That's what I guess everyone's trying to find out. I think the thing that will make it happen is just it has the force of the new government behind it, which is a massive thing. And obviously they're not going to want to disappoint. And, you know, it's such a big election promise. They cannot backflip on that. You know, I know the event will come back even if it is pushed back, but still they did go in pretty hard on the promise that it's coming back in December, you know, as the season finale. So um, I'd say it happens just off that force. I think the thing we probably need to be prepared for is it might not be to the same scale as previous Adelaide 500s because they have to rebuild the whole infrastructure around it. But it should be back and it'll be a fitting way to end the season and, um Personally, I hope it keeps that season finale spot. I think that would make a um, a really good change from previous. I know the season opener was popular with some people, but I think the season finale um, would work even better. Peter, your thoughts? How do you read the tea leaves in the pot? Uh, I, I think we do can't underestimate the political will of making it happen. Uh, as Adrian said, who knows what scale, but politicians need to deliver something. Uh, and it would be a complete loss of face if they couldn't pull that off. One thing that will interest me, though, is what's the weather like at the end of the year compared to the beginning? Is there wild weather? It'll still be pretty hot. I think it'll be you know, much the same. I mean, the, the Grand Prix was at the end of you know November, December, and there was a few rainy ones in there. So it, it's a mixed bag, but it, it's more so about avoiding the sort of the festival and the fringe events, which was sort of encroaching on the Adelaide 500 a bit. It, it gives it its own free air. And um, yeah, I think I think it would work great as a season finale. The Grand Prix had that season finale thing, and hopefully, you know, there's a championship on the line that would make it even better. And um, obviously, the last ever race for Holden. And that would be a perfect way to go out with um, Adelaide as the spiritual home of Holden. The last race of the year, I think actually having it in Adelaide doesn't matter whether it's a race for the championship or not. 
whilst this year would be great, I don't know that the South Australian government said elect us and we'll have a race in 2022. I think realistically it was we'll get it back in our, what is it, four terms over there? Yeah, I, I think it was initially it was to get it back, but then it was sort of the push to hate make happen this year. And when that, you know, when you're sort of elected on those sort of promises, you really can't go back on it because they're held against you for the next, you know, three or four years. So I think it'll happen. It's just the scale of it happening. The ACT government could be in a good position here because, Peter, as we both know, there are still tonnes of concrete barriers sitting around here that might be available because there's a lot of speculation that anything in the tail and bend isn't coming back to Victoria Park. Um, yeah, that's the, the, the challenge they've got, I guess, is that a lot of the pedestrian bridges have been installed at tail and bend. Uh, so that's the kind of infrastructure that they have to replace. I do recall someone saying that they were able to get the pit buildings back on loan somehow, uh, so so they haven't gone and been installed anywhere. But yes, I, I do continue to get a giggle when uh, you drive past Canberra Roadwork and there is uh, GMC logos or Dunlop logos uh, on concrete barriers from way back in the day. Do you think it's a mandatory thing to have the Adelaide 500 this year, Peter? I, I think there's been too many... Not maybe not hard promises, but I think the general public would read them as a promise. Um, there's open talk about the dates, even though it hasn't had a, an official launch. Um, and in many respects, it is the it's the event that this year needs. Um, we, we had a very soft opening to the season uh, because uh, Newcastle uh, wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't feasible really. Um, it's the last year of Holden. So it's, it's perfect to, to say goodbye to Holden in Adelaide, uh, where, where so many of them were, were, were built. And I think the, the benefit of putting together, put, putting the band back together, the old motorsport board, is they're people who know how to promote an event, uh, people who brought um, you know, Ken Block, they are Murray Walker's uh, machines. Um, they knew how to make some hype in addition to the racing. And hopefully they grab onto the final year of Holden and saying goodbye uh, and put on some, some a, a fabulous parade of old Holdens to say goodbye in the proper way. And, of course, uh, over the last month or so, Adrian, it has been stated that Chevrolet Racing is planning to do something special for that last race for Holden. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's a massive end of chapter you know we're talking decades of Australian touring car history so it's important that it's recognized and um as we said Adelaide's the perfect place for it and you know the perfect place to sort of end this current generation of supercars and then launch into gen 3 next year and um you know it, it, you know people saying it was a bit of a soft start to the year it'll be actually if this comes off it'll be a great way to end it because you have Bathurst Gold Coast comes back you know Maybe New Zealand, big question mark, I know, but maybe. And then, you know, Adelaide. So the championship definitely needs it. It needs those big marquee events back. They're sort of the real, you know, core of the championship. So it definitely needs it back. Certainly most people would say a finale at Adelaide over a finale at the Gold Coast would be a, a massive difference, Peter. And uh, I don't think anyone would compare those two events in the same you know, put them in the same category of street race. Yeah, I think the, the Gold Coast, uh, in my view, my personal view, the Gold Coast isn't the same since they cut the track back. Um, at the Gold Coast, yeah, they have concerts, but 
it's not on site. It's not the same spot. Uh, so it, it loses some momentum at the end of the day. Adelaide being really the, the original Parkland circuit, concerts on site, uh, uh, to me, they don't compare. Let's talk about Auckland and Pukekohe. The freight costs, as everyone has noticed, nothing's getting cheaper in Australia. And worldwide, that is still the case, Adrian. Is there any chance we're going to see racing across the ditch, considering that they've been looking at sea freight, they put that big gap in the calendar, they need to really fly it so they can get back in time? Even if they do fly, there's still talk about dropping another round and we'll get to that later in the show. Yeah, it it seems unlikely just the pure cost. And obviously when there's such a big cost, someone has to put the bill and, you know, there's a lot of demand in New Zealand to make it happen and get supercars back. But we're still talking a significant outlay. So hopefully it happens because, you know, we know how popular that round is. Obviously there's a New Zealander dominating the championship. Um, it'll be a packed crowd, no doubt. And it's an amazing track. Probably the the track I think is the most underrated on the calendar just for pure racing. It's just, you know, fantastic. So let's hope it gets there, but it might be another one of those where it needs another year just to really get everything in line, everything more back to normal. And then, Hopefully, you know, it, it's back next year. And, you know, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, why not do two rounds over there? Um, I think the demand's there. The tracks are there. Um, remember, you know, pre-COVID, um, Supercars was meant to race at Hampton Downs in, in 2020 before um, the world went upside down. So, you know, let's hope, you know, it's just the beginning of a bigger future in New Zealand. Peter, where do you sit on the uh, New Zealand race going ahead? I think the cost pressures is uh, the the man in the street who's got the cost of living increases at 5% plus, they haven't been exposed to what businesses are facing, where 30% increases to a lot of your business inputs. That's the normal. Uh, and you know, Fuel costs, freight costs, even more. Uh, so... Yeah, I don't think you can underestimate just how expensive uh, a travelling circus is. Um, we see in Formula One that they're complaining that their budget caps won't work. You know, I think tongue-in-cheek they're saying they'll have to drop a few rounds. Um, I can't see that happening. But, yeah, the cost of moving a circus from place to place, it's just horrendous now, and it does need things to be reassessed. If we're reassessing, talk is that they could be cutting races in supercars. And the name that keeps coming up is Sandown. You have to ask, what is supercars thinking? They've got Sandown, they've got a a, a race that has massive recognition with the 500, and yet they haven't done a 500 for a while now. And they're even thinking about cutting a Sandown race if the uh, jungle drums are to be believed. What a crying shame if they don't go back to, to Sandown. Um, we know with the development coming that there's only a, a certain number of years left. I think the, the true motorsport fans that are, are fans of heritage, you've got to get there as many more times as you can. From a cost perspective, well, is it half the teams are Melbourne-based? Surely this is one that can fit within the budgets. And Adrian, Melbournians have been locked out of major sporting events. Look at the numbers that turned up for the Grand Prix. Surely if you had been starting your marketing campaign about a Sandown 500, you would get that Australian Grand Prix type bounce in your numbers. Now, the Grand Prix put in how many extra grandstands? You would have thought anyone with a marketing background, like a uh, new owner of a sporting franchise, would be looking at maximising that possibility. 
Yeah, absolutely. And not just that. To me, Sandown 500 in September should write itself in the calendar. It should be locked in pre-Bathurst. It should, you know, there's enough history and heritage there to make it work. The crowds, you know, they get the crowds. It's a big market, Melbourne. You know, those two events cover the big two big states, Victoria and New South Wales. It's just a no-brainer. And then, you know, you build your calendar around that. So the fact that we don't have a Sandown 500, it's almost like what's the point of going to Sandown if you're not going to go for the 500? So it's just one of those things that it needs to be on the calendar and it's amazing that it's not. And, um, you know, you know, it's like we're talking about the Adelaide 500. It belongs on the calendar it's sort of one of those things that you know like you know monaco grand prix it should almost just be locked in what price is history it should be not negotiable it just makes no sense does it uh sandown puts on a good race it's a reasonably compact circuit so production costs for tv you would think are lower than other places yeah maybe it doesn't appeal to the the new younger fans they must have some reasons it'd be good for them to share those it is strange we have new owners that have got an arm that's a marketing arm, which from reports seems to be a wall. if you listen to uh, some of the people you speak to. You have another arm that is core, a motor racing core, and then you have these supercar people, in inverted commas, all linking those two different aspects of business. Has this sale been a success, Adrian? Well, we need to be seeing the results soon because it's, you know, this is the time they should be up and running. You know, you can only have a grace period for a certain amount of time and then you've really got to start kicking some goals. And, you know, yes, COVID is a lingering effect as we were discussing with Auckland, but it needs to be, you need to start getting back to some sort of normality. And the concern for me is we've gone from an Enduro Cup at these three great rounds and now we've gone, it doesn't exist. It's just Bathurst, you know, one Enduro. Um what's the point of the Enduro Cup? We spent the last decade sort of talking it up and bigging it up into this thing and now it's just gone. You know, even like we discussed the Gold Coast before, it feels a bit lost. It's sort of like sand down, you know, people associate it for one thing, but it's happening as another. And so it's just the calendar has to get back to that normality. And I think Supercars really has to decide with these events, you know, do you, you've just got to stick with something to make it work. You know, the reason Sandown 500 works is the decades of history and you can't manufacture that in something else. So to me, it's a no-brainer. It just, you know, Sandown, Bathurst, you know, another Enduro event, Enduro Cup, you know, and then we're back to pre-COVID times. I have to be flippant, Peter, and say, if you were a betting man, and I know you come from a uh, bookmaking family, what's the book? on a Sandown 500 or a Queensland 500 getting up first? Oh, it'd have to be Sandown for sure. Queensland was interesting back in the day, but, I, I, well, I suppose there has been a game changer there, the redevelopment. Hmm, okay, um, we, we got a roughie. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I guess what we're struggling with is that we've got new owners, There's, I'm sure there's new strategy, new vision, but... Surely you'd stick to tradition to create the bridge until you're ready with your new stuff. I think that's the, the disconnect is we've, we've got this, this limbo and until they've got the new thing to roll out, surely you'd stick with the history and, and the, the formula that at least gives you a foundation that you can then change and build on. Prospectus for the new owners had a race in Canberra. 
I would suggest, Adrian Mussolino, you are not going to be backing a race in Canberra in June again because uh, it was certainly in the prospectus. There are some very, very well-connected people involved in the Canberra side of things. It was perhaps leaked to help the sale. I don't think that is uh, unkind to say, but... Do you think we'll have a Sandham 500, a Queensland 500, or another race in Canberra sooner? I mean, who knows? I mean, the, the thing that concerned me with the new owners when they first came in, they were talking up Gen 3, and the reasons they've gotten involved is they were talking up international expansion and going back overseas, and that's all well and good, but you've got to sort out your own backyard first, and you've got to get that right before you go overseas. And as we said, there's a lot of imperfections with the calendar as it is. Now the Adelaide 500 is back, which is something that was out of their hands. You need to build around that. So, you know, let's get the Enduro Cup back. Let's get the Sandown 500 back. And let's plan for what the Sandown 500 looks like post-Sandown. You know, does the Phillip Island 500 come back? Um, What does Queensland Raceway do, you know, with its, you know, revamp? And then worry about the international stuff and, and, you know, start in New Zealand and then go from there. There's there's too many question marks to start talking about, you know, Asia or America again. If we're talking about costs, and we have throughout the program so far, is having a multiple two-driver race is going to be too expensive? Should or could the Sandown 500 come back as a one-driver race? Well, it's feasible, isn't it? Uh, we're told that the cost of having a co-driver is significant. For the for the fans on the hill, it's sort of hard to picture that it would be that expensive as a percentage of the total show. But yeah, that one's hard to tell. We've spoken about the rising costs to business. What we haven't said is often governments support these things. Uh, governments uh, around Australia, around the world, are carrying a whole lot of debt from COVID. Um, maybe they've temporarily don't have the appetite to support uh, new tracks in Canberra or, uh, you know, uh, events at Sandown. Yeah, governments have uh, have to tighten their belts. Maybe that's a factor that uh, really hasn't bubbled to the surface. You mentioned the Monaco Grand Prix and there was an interesting observer for Red Bull at the Monaco Grand Prix last weekend. And he is off to Le Mans this weekend, Adrian Mussolino. Would the championship be helped by Shane Van Gisbergen becoming a GT driver? Well, the, the way he's dominating, you know, I guess it takes out the, the powerhouse. We've seen this before with Scott McLaughlin, you know, the run he was on and then you take him out and then Shane was just, the, you know, stepped up. So it's great to see him doing international stuff, you know, especially after COVID, a lot of drivers missed out on that opportunity. And look, we see his talent week in, week out. He's clearly something special. So... It'd be great to see how he performs in that event and then go from there. But, you know, if he continues to dominate at the rate he's dominating at, it, it makes sense to me that he'd look overseas for some new challenges like like Scott did. And we've seen how well Scott's done in, you know, a discipline we probably didn't think he, you know, would go. I, I thought it'd be NASCAR and I, I was shocked as anyone that was an IndyCar, but, you know, he's taken to it like a duck to water. I think one of the best things to come out of the recent race at Winton is that someone took the challenge up to him. That's just so important for the for the interest in the championship. We, we saw uh, last year, championship wrapped up before Bathurst. It sort of, it took away something that, that we normally love. I am interested in your thoughts. During Scaife's amazing run with HRT, every year they changed the point score 
to try and bring the competition back. During Jamie's amazing run, they never played that card. It's an interesting difference. Scaife was able to overcome a gerrymander every year. Jamie was absolutely dominant and he has got the the rewards for his work but never tried to nobble. I'm wondering if there's something to be said for, you know, the point system we've got isn't real good. It was the last one that finally stopped Scaife maybe. Uh, what do you think about are we – actually creating our own problem. I guess when the driver wins three quarters of the races, he deserves to be the champion at the end of the week, at the end of the year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can't argue with Shane's results, you know, for a number of years now. Um, You know, even, you know, going back to his Stone Brothers days, you could see the potential. Even at Techno, he turned that team into, you know, um, such a, you know, a front-running contender. Now he's with the best team. So it makes sense that he's dominating and, um, I don't think it would stop him different point system. You know, the, the weekend I always think about was that Sandown weekend with a broken shoulder and he just came out and smashed him. You know, he, that his talent is unquestionable. It's it's like Scott McLaughlin's, Scaife's, Lowndes. What it needs is that next driver coming up. You know, for Scaife it was Ambrose. You know, um, for Wing Cup it was Shane. You just need that next person along and um, – you know, it might be Anton, who knows? It might be Will Brown, Brody Kostecki. There's a few of them lining up. They just need to be in that position. So, in a sense, we want Shane to stay because we want to see him, you know, go head-to-head with one of these young guys. Um, you know, I think we've been deprived of that with Scott leaving because, you know, we would have had McGockard versus Van Gisbergen for years and that would have been, you know, equivalent ages and, you know, both New Zealanders and, you know, there was a bit of tension there, even though they seemed chummy, but there was, you know, some clashes. So let's see if we get that and hopefully he stays. One of my favourite photos, uh, actually got Shane to autograph it, was uh, at that Sandown race. Not him racing, but on the on the podium spraying the champagne. Yeah. He even won the champagne fight one-handed. Yeah. And you could see in his body language he's, he's really nursing the shoulder. Yeah. But spraying the champagne. Yeah, we're in a golden age of SVG. Uh, seeing him in the, the rally uh, here in Canberra a number of weeks back, uh, so dominant. At Winton, we saw a whole new maturity where he didn't uh, uh, take the, the last second plunge. He raced for the championship. Uh, there was a, a different maturity there because they did the sums. They knew he had the fastest lap. Part of me would would miss if he did go chase up something in Europe. We need the competitors to take the challenge to him. Then we've got a golden age. The thing with Shane is you can just see it, the way he drives, the way he attacks, you know, it just, it's so visible and it's not always visible. With a lot of other drivers, it's work. They have to get to that level. With Shane, it just seems like it just comes naturally. And yeah, he's in a different league, as I said, you know, I think it would have been a a different story if if McLaughlin was still here. It'd be more of a head-to-head. But, you know, credit Shady just does the job, you know, and then he'll go do his rally stuff and GT stuff and he'll perform, you know, no matter what. So, I said, we just need that sort of next generation to step up and the good thing is there's a few of them. Are we too quick in the media to jump on whoever has a good result just because we need a battle? Beginning of the year, it was Chas Mostert. Now, we know preparing for Fords. They're not putting anything into the Holdens that they're currently running. 
they've now restructured. People have been let go and, you know, they're just uh, going through the motions this year. Yeah, I, I agree with that, that we sort of take that for granted, that when we see someone dominate. But at the end of the day, it's not Formula One. It's not MotoGP. We want to see door-to-door, you know, competitiveness. You want that unpredictability. It is a touring car championship at the end of the day. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. It feels more sort of like a sports car sort of NASCAR category than, you know, what a British touring cars is, for example. So I think we need to find that middle ground where you don't know who's going to win. We know Shane, you know, is probably going to be competitive, but at the moment we can almost pencil him in for a win each weekend. And that's not necessarily a good thing. We need some teams up there. The problem for supercars for a number of years now is we have too many yo-yo teams. And you see that with Walkinshaw when one minute they're winning races and the next round they're 20th. You know, Tickford is another classic example. We're seeing it with Erebus this year. You just need that consistency because at the moment, AAA and to a lesser extent, DJR are the ones that are just smashing it. But, you know, we need that. You need that mix. It's entertainment at the end of the day. Um, We don't want it to become like Formula One where we can you know, pencil in, it's going to be Verstappen or Leclerc, you know, that's not necessarily a great thing. You mentioned Scott McLaughlin earlier, and uh, do you think he's off the Christmas card list at Supercars headquarters and uh, a number of the drivers with their comments to AAP in the build-up to the Indy 500? Was he ever on those lists? Uh, I I think people with rose-coloured glasses have forgotten just how nasty it was, the the winning Bathurst with the question marks over it, the the, the angst, uh, the, the text messages and the social media posts that we had a really toxic environment there uh, for, for, for the end of that year. Um, it was nasty. And in that context, the, the, the quote that he had the other week is perfectly reasonable. Um, I can understand why he thought that uh, uh, stabbing in the back was the kind of thing that happened here. Now, unless you were right in the middle of it, who was right and wrong in that nasty period. But I can understand why he said that. Uh, I think it's unfortunate that it's uh, reopened old wounds and it's been given so much oxygen. I certainly remember that year and by the time I got to Newcastle, I was I was just over the whole thing. It was just so horrid the way everyone was acting. Yeah, it wasn't good, but on the other side of the coin, we do need a bit of, bit of that. You know, we do need a bit of needle and a bit of tension and a bit of, you know, that's what is going to get the headlines in, you know, penetrate the mainstream and get the fans going and things. Obviously, we don't want to see it become toxic, but we want a rivalry. We don't want the flip side where they're all mates and, you know, slapping each other on the back. So it's a hard line. I think with supercars, we can get a bit caught up where it's a bit, um, you know, like we just get caught up in the minutia of it all. But we do need some of that. But, yeah, it did get a bit toxic. And I think probably Scott knew he was going too. And I think that almost made it worse because it was feeling of he was going and they were staying. And I think there was a bit of resentment from the other drivers, but also a feeling from Scott like, well, screw you. I'm, I'm going to the other side of the world and racing something completely different. So, yeah. And then, you know, Penske leaving and it was just, yeah, it was a very weird time. And then when obviously COVID hit in his final season and it was just a very odd way to end. I mean, you know, obviously he's not coming back for Bathurst this year, but... 
I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'd love to see him back, you know, because he'd still, I'm sure he'd just get in it and it'd be like a duck to water. He'd just fly around that place. What are you looking forward to in the rest of the season, Peter Norton? Going to places warmer than Canberra. Adrian Muslina? Um, For me, it's Adelaide 500. I, I think the championship race is probably over, let's be honest. Um, let's hope there's competitive races, but I, I think we need to end this championship with that sort of, you know, full steam of Bathurst, Gold Coast, you know, fingers crossed New Zealand, but seems unlikely, and then Adelaide, because then it, it would feel normal. And then rolling into next year with Gen 3 at Newcastle, you know, the supercars needs that momentum. And then hopefully 2023 is back to normal. Well, these days, they turn out nothing like we've got planned, but hopefully some of the plans for the Adelaide 500 can come through. Adrian Mussolino, Peter Norton, thanks for joining us once again on Inside Supercars. Thank you. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.